Don't fucking start. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the book. Back to the book. The three-speed Malvern Star, complete with specially modified AM, FM radio mounted on my handlebars, expanded my horizons beyond belief. Before my first bike, the world was restricted to where I could walk. With my new school, Sindel Tech, only a mile away and my friends within three blocks from primary school, there was no need to go anywhere else. I'd not caught a bus further than the train station. Trains were only for finding football grounds with my middle brother, Simon. Then it was off one train onto another. No deviation. Exploration hadn't entered our minds. There were two areas of local wasteland if we wanted adventure. Both could be found on foot. The Red Dam as we called it, was our outback, a vast region of clay-like reddish dirt with deep ditches and a dam in the middle where we fished for yabbies in the summer. Then there was our jungle, Valley Reserve, an out-of-control council park with top-secret tracks worn through a wealth of brushwood where we fished for tadpoles in winter. Fished. We had an ice cream container. (laughs) The benefits of bike... scoop for tadpoles. Yeah. The benefits of bike ownership were mind-boggling. A 20-minute walk became a two-minute ride. I travelled the sorts of distances that Dad had driven in the car. I set eyes on surrounding suburbs for the first time and thought I had an idea of what Captain Cook must have experienced. As this new world unfolded before me, my options appeared endless. I had a crush on Kerry Paddington. She reminded me of Samantha from Bewitched. Her house was now within reach. She played hockey for the girls' school side. There were better-looking girls, but none made me so nervous. She lived in a secluded street that wasn't on the way to anywhere. Mm. I rode past repeatedly on Sunday afternoons, <laughs> hoping she might happen to head outside whilst I was in the area. Is this your place? I planned to ask casually if I set eyes on her. <laughs> what a coincidence. You want a dink? <laughs> <laughs> she never did sit on my pack rack. Hours, days, weeks later, I heard the front door of her house open as I rolled along outside once again. Could it be? Yes, it is. Here she comes, I confirmed fearfully, as my legs pedalled away as fast as they could manage. Oh. Useless. You choked. Choked. Kerry Padswell. Paddington. Paddington. Everybody I knew endured a big bike stack, the type that scars for life. My brother Mark once rounded the corner at full pace and ran headlong into a parked car, barely avoiding a broken neck. Simon was sailing down a hill towards a main road in the rain when his brakes failed, forcing a desperate detour into a stranger's driveway. (laughs) He came to in a kind lady's lounge room, the owner of the house, with a slice out of his scalp. My turn came as I raced towards the Red Dam, meeting mates for a game of war. The cricket stump I carried was a shotgun that got stuck in my spokes when I wasn't paying attention, locking up the front wheel and flipping me face first into the road. Following my face into the asphalt was my left knee then my right elbow, then my right knee, then my left elbow, then my left ear, then my right ear, then the back of my head, then my face again. The bike was bent, the cricket stump had snapped, and the footy card pegged into the spokes, which when in motion made my Malvern Star sound like a Harley Davidson motorbike, was in shreds. I wasn't well. Somehow I managed to make it home, leaving the broken bike behind. Horrified, Mum dabbed me with Dettol for days, using tweezers to pick the gravel from between my teeth. Wow. You must, have a nasty a, one. you must have had a massive bike stack. How do we survive them? Hopefully we all do. There's, the, there's those that don't, and we wish them well There's the absence. Where you're going downhill bike stack where you're pedalling along, maybe you've got thongs on, and your feet come off the pedals Oh no! and go in front of the pedals, and so you become your own brake. <laughs> and the, skins your shins on those. Skins the, the, the back, the back of your calf muscles, and oh. and your Achilles. Oh, and because the bike prematurely stops, you also it just 
oh, goes onto the side. That could be in a book called My First Swear Word. <sighs> Horrific in- grazing. Yeah, you invent or a, swear words. Or, a, or the toes fold forward oh. and you lose the skin off the top of the toes. Oh, the toe knuckles. Yeah. Scab. Oh, oh ouch. That's where mercurochrome comes into play. Mercurochrome, every kid was covered in mercurochrome. It's weird, isn't it? Because to stop the blood, they put something that looks like blood upon the yeah. blood. But to that, congeal it. Has that, that yellowy dad, rainbow hue to my dad was My dad was a big exponent of the stip dick, right? Is that what it was called? That weird yeah. uh, c- congealing white sort of lipsticky thing that he'd put on shaving cuts yeah. that would uh, cauterize. Stip dick, I think, is right. Or- stip Dipstick? No, it wouldn't have dipstick. It wasn't dipstick. I think stiptick. What was that stuff Stip- made of? I think it's stiptick or something like that. It's, right. Uh, I don't know. That's back when people used to re- use real razors. Your dad used to use the brush yeah. and the shaving foam. Some kind of um, anti-disinfectant gel. Like a wax, A congealing really. agent yeah. of some sort. He'd put it on and it just, yeah. It'd sting like fuck. But it would almost feel good because you knew that when the stinging stopped, so would the bleeding. The worst accident I ever had wasn't on a bike. I was running at school. <laughs> An on-foot accident. An on-foot accident. <laughs> Unco. Uh, but our gymnasium at uh, the high school I went to, Whitefriars College, was down a gravel driveway and then there was this Nissan hut a bit further down. So it was quite steep. I'm running down that and trip and so, of course – the land is disappearing underneath you as you're airborne. Oh, yeah. And so you've got a lot further to fall than just falling down. And as I came down, I had my elbows out and ground both elbows to the bone. To the bone? And I was just lying there quivering. One of those accidents where just other kids are coming around and you go, don't touch oh, like me. Opening scene from Saving Private Ryan. Just, just don't touch me. Yeah, please. Yeah. Kill just, me. Just finish me. Get mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just get anyway, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Bennett, the librarian, came down and walked me up to the li- um to the staff room. With a bucket of Mercurochrome. Made a bowl of warm water with detol in it and I it's submerged my elbows. Hey, into I can it. hear the sizzle right now. It's like uh, uh, Did you grind your teeth to the Oh well then nub? State, she was like had to pick the gravel out and patch me up. Do you love her to this day? Mrs. Bennett loved me. You know, one of those teachers that really loves you, she would always say to my older brother, no. oh, your, your <laughs> brother, oh, he's such a lovely boy. See, there's teachers you. that hate you and there's teachers that love you. Mrs. Bennett adored me. Lovely Lawrence Mooney. Yeah. Where's she now? Oh. <sighs> It's a long time since I finished high school. If you're going to chase down the Easy Street murderers, right, mm. you can chase down Mrs. Bennett. It's the yeah. very least you can do. Maybe there could be a documentary. Jeez, Lawrence makes amends. This is about you reading the book. It's not about me going to a, a, apologise to the kid I stole a football card from or <laughs> Mrs. Bennett who I want it to salved be. my wounds. I want it to be. Or, you know, apologising to Shirley Strawn's family for this, the feelings I had you know what this is? the day of his death. It's not, a post, it's, not, it's not a podcast about a football book. It's a redemption song. It's Bob a, Marley had it right. It's an intervention. <laughs> okay. This is chapter three. You are Matthew Hardy. You wrote the book. And I am Lawrence Mooney. And we are both comedians and men about town. Which always struck me as a 
odd thing to say. He's a man about town. Aren't they all? Yeah, but I'd much rather, like when Richard Harris dies or uh, uh, Richard Burton, and they're described as hell raisers. <laughs> Richard Burton's one of my great heroes. Yeah. I, would, I would say one, probably my favourite actor. Well, who was the even bigger actor? To begin at the beginning. Exactly. Well, what about Robert Shaw, from uh, who, was, who was Flint or whatever his name was in Jaws? The boat? The crazed captain. Yeah. Mm. Do you know that story he tells is true about the Indianapolis? When they're underneath, what's it called? Below deck. Mm. Uh, him, Richard Dreyfus's character, oh, Roy yeah. Scheider's and character. And they're all just drinking. They're drinking and telling stories and bonding because they're all you know trying to get this big killer shark. And just before it starts slamming into the boat, right, to interrupt their anecdotes, uh, Robert Shaw tells a story about being on the Indianapolis, USS Indianapolis that goes down at sea. Right. And like out of 190 sailors, 180 of them get eaten one by one and they're all hearing each other screaming in the darkness of the night and huddling together in groups in the hope that that will help. Anyway, that's a real story. Those hard men actors die and then described as hell raisers. Yeah. Oh, I reckon I could qualify. I reckon you could, definitely. Um, the pill. Hell raiser. The pill. And we're not talking about the contraceptive device here. No, it is a, uh, it's a, what is it, a you- euphemism? I for thought, the footy? I thought euphemism was like a sexual no. single entendre. No, euphemism's just a... And another way, a secondary way of saying something yeah. rather than straight it's a slang out. term for the football. Yeah, the pill. The pill. Chapter three, Saturday afternoon fever. The agate. The rainbow football was my first. <gasps> Made of white rubber, it had coloured stripes like a milky marble or a boiled lolly. Though too easily... Remember the milky marbles? How old are we? Yeah, the Milky Marble was, and sometimes was often the the larger one, the Tom Bowler. Yeah, rather than just the little glass one with the How old flower in the middle. Next, we're going to be talking about a hoop and stick, you know, marbles, marbles. So, yeah, the Rainbow Football was my first, made of white rubber. It had coloured stripes like a Milky Marble or a boiled lolly. Usually, that you'd get at Sovereign Hill. Oh, yeah, boiled lollies. You know, the they're horrible, aren't they? Your nana gives them to you on a car trip. Anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> though the rainbow football was, though the rainbow rainbow football was too easily beaten by a rose bush or a dog's bite, it was nonetheless better than the brown plastic footies bought from giant baskets outside service stations. They were hard and horrible. Oh, they hurt my toes and did not spin properly when you kicked them. An old canvas lyrebird ball that we'd found behind the local fruit shop lay abandoned in the yard. Because <laughs> that was like the lyrebird ball. I think was canvas, and they'd put red paint on it. Right, and because you're kicking it, it easily flakes off, and next minute you've got this, like, I don't know. Yeah. Looks like you've got a hessian ball. Yeah. <laughs> it was at Chadston Shopping Centre that I spotted a leather footy for sale and fell in love. $11. With my weekly 50 cents in pocket money, this is way beyond my means. Dad read books outside the cafes with the other men, all apparently waiting for their wives to stop spending. This was a regular sight at shopping centres. That, that paragraph's aged a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, is it misogynist slash, slash sexist now? Yeah. You be the judge. Anyway, I mentioned the ball, and to my surprise, Dad asked me to show him the shop. And there, for no reason at all, he bought me that leather footy. Nothing about it being an early birthday present or cutting down on what I might get for Christmas. He just bought it for me. Straight out. Right then and there. What what brand? Uh, well, hang on. Oh, in, oh, sorry. In the car, heading home, I cradled, cradled it in my arms. 
It said Australian rules football in large letters on the side. Oh. With made in India printed in less <laughs> a lesser font underneath. <laughs> now we're doing race stuff. Anyway, no, we're not. The at, football was made in India. Fair enough. At Pinewood Primary, we played a new football game each day. Spread over three quarters, these games were umpired ourselves, paying only the most obvious free kicks. A punch in the face was generally penalised. Otherwise, it was open season. There were two games going on at any given time on that oval. One played by the attractive talented kids down the length of the oval and the other played by me and my group of mates across the oval. <laughs> the morning recess session started after we'd eaten our play lunch, which was whiz fizz, snack packs, pineapple donuts. The, that's changed. Uh, the lunchtime leg followed a healthy dose of Vegemite sandwiches. Snack packs were a special treat, right? <laughs> Especially the peaches. Right. Remember that... Uh, the, remember the TV commercial for Snack Packs? The Awesome Foursome that won a gold medal. Oh, this is before that. Yeah, the Awesome Foursome, who were famous for their drinking exploits because they, they beat the David Boone Peaches, drink. mango, peaches. Peaches, <laughs> mango, peaches. Now, this one was, it's all right for you. This TV commercial went, as it, was, it was kids kind of like mocking each other, right? And I can't remember what the original one was, but this is what the kids' adjusted version was. It's, it's all, all right, right for you, you to sit there and laugh. And laugh. You, you haven't got, got a Snack Pack shoved up, up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> what was the original? I can't even remember what it was before we appropriated it. So we didn't even go to the same school or know each other until we were like 30 or over. And yet that we was, both know that version of the TV commercial. And that is kind of fascinating when you think about the spread of information like that, which it was never on the TV. Uh, there was no social media in those days. No. So it would have been visiting a cousin from another suburb, somebody learning it, introducing yeah. it to a school. So that is... That is a oral tradition. That it is. is. That's a song line, if you will. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad we've pointed that out. Now, <laughs> snack packs were a special treat, especially the peaches. Back to the book. We quenched our thirst with Prima or High C if your mum was a bulk buyer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a polite way of putting it, isn't it? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? You say Prima, Prima, Prima. Uh, on warmer days, I sucked on triangular solid ice sunny boys, but they made my lips bleed. And I never found a free, though I always looked inside for the winning yellow writing. I always used to get freeze. Did you? But it was from the glug. The glug, the which glug. is a variation on the sunny boy. And that, that was a triangular ice block. Yes. They were called Tetra Packs, that right. triangular package. Oh, that was the origin of them. Yeah. And so there was a Raz, which was yeah, raspberry red, flavored, raz. yep. glug, which was. Indian juice and it had a teepee on the outside of the packet. Like American Indian juice? Yeah. What's that supposed to be? It was basically a cola flavoured. Right. But that was their marketing. Sunny Boy was orange and there was a yellow one. Yeah, I remember the yellow one. I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't popular. Anyway, drinking the melted ultra, back to the book, drinking the melted ultra sweet liquid at the bottom mm. would send my sugar levels skyrocketing. It was like a dangerous drug for kids in its intensity. Pity the poor teachers attempting to keep me under control in a class after such a lunchtime overload. Our games were regularly interrupted, our football games played at lunchtime, uh, at magpie time of the year by nesting birds who'd swoop on anyone walking past. 
Like customised biplanes dropping water on a bushfire, the magpies attacked in a relentless barrage aimed at protecting their nests. Our pine tree goalpost often doubled as a magpie's home, so after several high kicks it burst through the upper branches, which suddenly be sent scattering by a squadron of the hard-beaked bastards launching after us in a furious formation, similar to the helicopter scene from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> you can almost hear right of the Valkyries as you bolted. <laughs> your, your heads being the burning villages those <laughs> helicopters left behind. <laughs> My uh, mum, uh, when we were riding the bikes to or from school, Marguerite, uh, Margot, yeah, Margot. She, uh, you've given her some sort of Spanish heritage that doesn't exist, but I'm sure she'll take it. So Margot Hardy, yeah, she used to give us empty ice cream containers as hats and draw big eyes on the back, because apparently the birds don't attack you front on, right? If if they think you're looking at them, ice cream container on your kid's head, yeah, with a bit of string, a couple of holes punched in as a, as like uh, what do you call it, a helmet strap. It worked. Wow, what, a, what an attractive image that is. <laughs> I, think they, I think that's when they did the bowl cut too, while that hat was on your head. Uh, we picked, back to the book, we picked new teams each morning from the same selection of kids. The pine tree goals were near the fence, and when the ball went over, whoever kicked it had to get it, unless it was our mate Fats, right? What, now, are, they, what are they calling Fats? Exactly. Well, his, his name is Tony and he was a big boy back then, and I don't know whether he was upset with it at the time or he accepted it, uh, but another kid called who was also a big boy, tried to conduct a campaign to uh, steal the nickname Fats. He basically started pushing people around and saying, I'm Fats now. Wow. I think that, that he thought that might make him as popular as the guy that was already called Fats, who was very popular. Lovely bloke. But I, I now bump into him not as often as I want to because he's a childhood friend, Fats, and I realise that the times have changed. You probably can't call people Fats anymore, but his real name's Tony, and that's so formal. I virtually can't. It's like the Fonz trying to. It's like the Fonz trying to say he was wrong. Ralph, I was ruined. <laughs> it's kind of stuck in my throat there. Stuck in my throat. Ralph, look, I was ruined. I love him. I, I probably should have talked to him about this rather than you. Anyway, but you can't call yourself a son uh, to the man that tried to steal the moniker Fats. You can't dub yourself with a nickname. Fats was a classic. The wire mesh of the fence was only waist high, but he was unable to climb anything. His attempts at rolling himself over proved funny, but fruitless. So in order to save our time and his dignity, we took turns retrieving the ball on Fats's behalf whenever he kicked it over the fence. Fats had a swarthy complexion and Armenian parents who encouraged a healthy appetite. Ah, oh, the diplomacy of this author, who is me. <laughs> Fats was but one of our motley crew. Luciano was an enigma. Naturally muscular through loading his dad's vegetable truck on weekends at the Dandenong Market, he combined uh, below-average ability with sporadic style. Luciano had a head of thick, dark curls which elderly women loved. He could play okay, but his coordination would often abandon him and he'd end up making outrageous errors, such as kicking the ball into his own head. Oh, I've seen that happen. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. <laughs> How is it even physically possible? I Not- think really leaning into the kick. Right. So you're almost over your own foot as it comes through. Yeah. Kicking yourself in the head. <laughs> <laughs> on, cohes- on cohesive occasions, though, he displayed the most sensational skills we'd ever seen. It was rare, but worth waiting for. On rainy days, Luciano walked home with his hands held up in front of his face and moved them together from left to right as if they were windscreen wipers and made the whooshing sound with his mouth as he went along. (laughs) (laughs) You reflect on the kids you go to school with and think, 
that before there was any diagnosis. Eccentricities. Uh, idiosyncrasies. And what the kids had. Well, we were probably among them. Yeah. There's probably people telling stories about us and our weird ways. I can a little bit of ADHD right. over here. Yeah, or uh, too much of that juice at the bottom of the uh, of the Sunny Boys. Cola-flavoured Indian juice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. G'day listeners, it's Lawrence Mooney here. Myself and Matthew Hardy could not be happier with how quickly and how enthusiastically you've all embraced our new podcast, Saturday Afternoon Fever, and how many of you there are. It's like we've started our own club, so thank you very much. We're new to the podcast malarkey, and we've been told we need you to do us a favour. Please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts from. That's what keeps us at the top of the charts, rating and reviewing. Apparently, you just scroll down the page where you're listening from. Go on, just press pause and get into it. We're loving the feedback we've already been getting. Well, not all of it, but now we want more. We're needy, okay? And by the way, our favourite rating is five out of five. We'll take four out of five, but our favourite is five out of five. Go on, I can wait. Only joking, I can't wait. Or can I? Anyway, thanks for listening. And please give us a rating and a review.